Happy Sabbath? You know, that song, I don't know, that's the second to last song that we just sang. There was a lyric there that really, I don't know, resonated with me in light of what we're trying to do. Let me see if I can find it here. It says, yeah, can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my God? Right? We cannot doubt what God has done and can do for us and through us. And by the way, my wife reminded me of the word I was butchering so bad. It's not influence, it's affluence. But hey, I blame it on that Bronx education. So to recap last week's sermon, Jesus said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye. But I say to you, and then he went on to elaborate, and what some of the lessons we got from that was, go the extra mile but with a smile, right? Go the extra mile with a smile. Kill them with kindness. Let your desires for your bullies be one of love. That is why we don't repay evil with evil, but with love. We saw it embodied in the life of Jesus Christ. He repaid our evil by dying on the cross for you and for me. And that's why we have the opportunity to have eternal life. And that's what we can share here in the woodlands with others, eternal life. That is why God calls us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, for God embodied that in Himself. And when I talk about offering other people eternal life, it's not that other denominations do not have the love of Jesus Christ and do not have a personal relationship with Christ. But however, they're studying for the wrong exam, is like I like to say, right? There is a time of trouble coming upon us that they don't understand as well as we do because we stick to the Word of God and we want to save them from that stress. Imagine studying for exam A and you get exam B. Doesn't mean you can't pass, but it means it's going to be a lot more stressful. And by the grace of God, we can fulfill the calling that God has asked us to do here in the woodlands. Many are preparing for the secret rapture. Yes, and there is no secret rapture. That Many are preparing for the idea that they're going to be taken away from the time of trouble. And we're all going to experience a time of trouble. By, but by the grace of God, we can all live faithfully through that time. And so we continue our series in Matthew. So I ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 18. Today, Jesus warns us against the opposite ditch, right? The previous ditch was repaying evil for evil to not being kind to your enemies. But the opposite ditch is to do acts of kindness, but for show, for pride, to gain favor with man. And so Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, clearly, off the bat, I want to say this. Now, this isn't saying you can never do good deeds in public. For we learned in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this is not that you can never do acts and kindness in public, but it's the motivation for why you do these acts of kindness in public. 
The interesting thing, though, is that the light, right, a light shining that they may see your good works flows naturally. It doesn't have to work. It shines without effort. And Jesus is warning against tuning your own horn, making a spectacle of it all. They had occasions, mind you, in this day and age where there was like a bidding process, for example, of who wants to help family A? How much do you want to give? Okay, 10,000, 15,000, is there anybody higher? And the winning bid would get to sit with the rabbis at the head of the table. And Jesus is warning against that kind of act of charity. If you're going to do something, do it for the glory and honor of God. And once again, it doesn't mean you can't do something public because Barnabas sold his land and laid it in front of the church, in front of the disciples' feet. And he was commended and glorified and left there as an example for the rest of us. The widow's might. She did that in public horn, but she brought her offering that was out in the temple, put it, and her testimony has been a great testimony for us and the whole world. But in Acts chapter 4, where Barnabas does that, in the very next chapter, Ananias and Sapphira do the same thing. They sell the land and they lay the money at the apostles' feet and they both drop dead. Why? Because they were doing it to get prestige and honor from men and not being honest with God. God never asked for the whole price of the land. Peter asked them, is this what you sold it for? And they said yes, and implying that they were giving everything they had sold it for. If they had said, no, we sold it for X and X amount, and this is what we give it, then everything would have been fine. But we see an example, a contrast of what Jesus says not to do. Do not do it for show and tell. Do not do it to bring glory and honor to yourself. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, so when you give to the poor, do not take a selfie and show it to the world as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I found it interesting as I was studying about this that this is an old Arab proverb. The left hand and your right hand are your two best friends. In other words, don't even let your best friends know that you're giving a charitable donation so that you so so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and implied in that is a promise because you may not get your reward this side of heaven but I gladly give up every red cent I have to guarantee me a place in heaven but praise God, that's not how it works. I'm already guaranteed a place in heaven because of the blood shed for me on the cross of Calvary. So Jesus says, look, whether you give in public or whether you give in private, don't do it for your own glory and honor. Do it because you've been moved by the love of God who paid the ultimate debt that you cannot pay which is the sins that you put upon our Savior there on the cross. So he's clearly saying, watch your heart. Because the Sermon of the Mount, from the Beatitudes all the way up to this point, 
It's getting at what is motivating you in your heart to give. What is motivating you in your heart to do this for someone else or even to do this for the church we want to build? In our modern world, we at times see that when we take selfies with the homeless, not that you can never do it and post it, but why are you doing it and post it? It's a balance of wanting us to know people need help versus doing it to make oneself look good. The beauty is that God knows the real reason, and it's only to Him that you have to be accountable. That being said, I don't think every instance of ever taking a selfie is wrong. And I'm sure at times it has spurred other genuine acts of service. So let your light shine so that your Father in Heaven may be glorified. Unfortunately, though, I have seen on Instagram where people pretend to do something for the homeless, offer them food. One that went viral, he offered a homeless person to buy him a McDonald's meal. The homeless man said, yes, I would appreciate it. Then he bought it and filmed himself eating it and not giving anything to the homeless person. And it went viral. That's exactly what we do not. He was more worried about what can I do for something to go viral than to actually help someone in need. And so the lesson here is guard your heart. Whatever you do, do it for the glory and honor of God. And our Heavenly Father has basically promised to reward you, either this side of heaven or in all eternity. And so he speaks about giving. Now he speaks about prayer. Listen to verse 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now, we don't see that in this day and age, right? It used to be a problem back then where the Pharisees would stand in the marketplace, and some of you who watch The Chosen, they depict it, where they're just standing there praying, and people are trying to talk to them, and they ignore them, and, and it's all show and tell. But the spirit of prophecy has some interesting quotes combating how we potentially can see that in our modern age, Listen to these two quotes. There are some, she says, I fear, who do not take their troubles to God in private prayer, but reserve them for the prayer meeting, and there do up their praying for several days. And this, I don't know why it makes me laugh, but she is so blunt sometimes. She says, such may be named conference and prayer meeting killers. They emit no light, yet they, they emit no light that edify no one. Their cold, frozen prayers are long, backslidden testimonies, cast a shadow. All are glad when they get through, and it's almost impossible to throw off the chill and the darkness which their prayers and exhortations bring into the meeting. Mercy. May that not be said of any one of us. Right? Here's another one that's kind of like mercy. She says, long, prosy talks and prayers are out of place anywhere, especially in the social meeting. In our modern age, that's the public prayer meeting or public or in public. Those who are forward and, every, and ever ready to speak 
are allowed to crowd out the testimony of the timid and retiring. Those who are most superficial, superficial generally have the most to say. Their prayers are long and mechanical. This part makes me laugh, I don't know why. Weird sense of humor. humor. They weary the angels and the people who listen to them. <laughs> Our prayers should be short and right to the point. Let the long, tiresome petitions be left for the closet, if they have any such to offer. Let the Spirit of God into your hearts, and it will sweep away all dry formality. These quotes were found in the book on prayer, page 184, the first one, and Gospel Workers, page 325. So that's why Jesus says in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's twice, right? Giving to the poor. Do it in secret. Don't make a big party out of it. And your Heavenly Father will reward you. Once again, in prayer, yes, there's time for public prayer. Yes, there's time to pray together. But let those be short and to the point. But when you have those petitions for family members, for personal items, character issues, or things you desire, pray in your closet, and your Heavenly Father will reward you in due time. That's the message he's saying, because all of it resides in what's going on in your heart. And that's why then he gives us an example of prayer. And when you are praying, do not use meaning, meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows that you what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give us this day this daily bread. Right? Well, excuse me. It says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It has to be about God's will in your life. It has to be about His kingdom and God's glory and His holy name. If you put Him first, if we put this church building fund, if we put anything in our personal lives and we ask God, may this be for your glory and honor, then He will honor that. And He will give you the spirit to receive if the answer is no. That's not what I want for you. It has to be about God's will and honor and glory room to ask, but it leaves room to ask for our daily needs, that which concerns us day to day. And it's and I love that it says, but your Heavenly Father already knows what you need. He's aware of what you need. The reason He asks us to come and ask is for two reasons. One, He wants to know that you want Him in your life, right? That you want His providence in your life. And so He wants you to hear and then he wants you to have a spirit of surrender. Because if he gives it to you, then it was good for you. This prayer embodies the need for spiritual strength. 
the spirit of forgiveness and grace of mercy towards others. Verse 15, right? But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you your transgression. Is the ethics of heaven. Right? God emulated this. When he forgave us, died on the cross, even before anyone ex accepted it. The embodiment of this prayer and the attitude of this prayer is something I learned in a book, and I want to share from a real-world example that happened to Lurie and I. Two Septembers ago, some of you may have remembered the month I started officially here, Leah was taken to the hospital with what we thought was appendicitis. And I had just learned this lesson. As parents, there was real concern. We were not, we were rushing to the hospital because we didn't want the appendix to burst. Yet I was reminded to pray not for Leah, but for God's glory and honor. Why? Because if I pray for God's glory and honor, he will take care of my need, which is Leah. And so I remember there as she was crying, laying down in the hospital, about to be taken into a CAT scan. I remember praying, Lord, whatever Leah is going through may be for your glory and honor. May something to expand your kingdom come out of it. Because if I pray that prayer, Lord, then you will take care of Leah. It's the promise you have given us. Well, I shared this story I guess that month, but maybe, maybe a refresher. A couple of minutes later, I got a chance to have a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness about the kingdom of God. And turned out Leah never had appendicitis. All she had was a virus that Hannah ended up getting the next day, but because Hannah's a little older, she was able to articulate better what was going on. Larie gave her some charcoal and Hannah was a lot better. So whatever you're going through, if your marriage is on the rocks, Lord, help me. Help this situation be for your glory and honor. And I know that then you will take care of my marriage, my kids, my business, whatever it is. Put it at the feet of Jesus Christ. Put it at the feet of the Father. Seek every prayer to be about the glory and honor of God. And he has promised here to take care of whatever need you have. Because he knows your need. Do not put on a gloomy face as some of the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here it is again for the third time, right? And why do we fast? Sometimes we fast so that we are not as a father now, and not so much maybe because Lorraine takes first. But she spends so much time cooking for the girl, right? If you can fast, right, if she can take a day of fasting where she didn't have to prepare food, that's more time that you can dedicate to spiritual matters. But that's not an opportunity to come to the church and say, I'm fasting today. I'm not having potluck, thank you, because I'm fasting today. Right? That's not what it's for. And for the third time, 
God says in his word. If you do it for my glory and honor, because that fast you want to take it to draw closer to me so you can listen to my voice, I will reward you in private. Don't give to the poor. Don't help the needy for selfish reasons. If you do it in private, your heavenly Father will reward you. When you pray, don't pray for show. But pray because your heart is in it. And your heavenly Father will reward you. And if you fast, whether it be from food or from TV or from sports or from whatever is distracting your time from the Lord. Or whatever you want to give up to dedicate more time to the Lord. Don't announce it to the world. Your heavenly Father will reward you. And when you draw closer to the Lord, your light will shine bright. And you don't have to announce it. People will notice it for the glory and honor of God. And they will give praise to your heavenly Father as Matthew 5, 16 says. So as we collect pledges or as we do anything for the Lord, you don't have to announce it. You can just write it, slip it on the only person who's going to see it is the treasure. Not even the pastor. I don't like looking at the books. That's between you and your maker. But whatever it is, whether you help a kid at school or whether you help a fellow pathfinder or a fellow church member, there are times for public helping when we gather together to help somebody in need. But no one need to their own horn because we don't do it for ourselves. We do it because you and I and this church of the wilderness are the eyes, the feet, and the hands of Jesus Christ. May everything we do, whether it's giving, praying, or fasting, be done for the glory and honor of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for this Sermon on the Mount, Father, as I study it and as I preach it, I pray that we can live it. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.